This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am one of your hosts, Clark Rockfall, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind, and I'm joined and by... I'm your other host, Swatha Nandakumar, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist. And thank you to everyone who is joining us via your favorite podcast player. Uh, be sure to like it, read a, leave a review, uh, download, share with your friends, all that good stuff right. so you can get as as many listeners as possible. And also thank you to everyone listening over the ACB Media Network. Of course, if you'd like to learn more about the American Council of the Blind, you may visit us at acb.org. All right, Swatha, here we are. Uh, Summer, August recess is over. Congress is back in session and we have an just an advocacy grab bag here for folks today. But how are you doing? I am doing great, Clark. How about you? I'm doing well. And one of the reasons I'm doing well is uh, a bit of a teaser for the folks out there in ACB media land. And that is that the second annual uh, audio description awards gala will take place. Tuesday, November 29th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It will be available. That's right. Mark your calendar, save the date, share it with your friends, just like this podcast. Last year, we we highlighted the innovations and game-changing technology and deliveries used to bring consumers the latest and greatest, and not only in media and entertainment, but in... accessible media and entertainment as well. And this year we are looking for more of the same. So yes, Tuesday, November 29th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern will be the airing of the Audio Description Awards Gala for 2022. We'll see you there. Swatha, do you you have a favorite? I mean, there's a a people's choice category for this year. Um, Any... What would you like to see if you got to choose a, a People's Choice Award for your favorite audio described program from 2022? Oh, I'm not sure. There are lots of great ones. Um, I am really right now a big fan of the, the, that new Lord of the Rings show. So I think that would be great to see if like, and AD was really, was really good on that show. So I think that would be a good one but i mean it's all the reason so how are you clark yeah it'll it'll be exciting to see what's uh what the masses choose oh i'm i'm partial to ted lasso uh, <laughs> i think the, i think the show is great the audio description you know perfectly matched the the tenor of the show as well i found that highly enjoyable but i only get one vote and we need as many people to vote as possible so i said i didn't watch that show so Oh my goodness, you don't know what you're missing. Just a, a blast of sunshine right into your face. Oh yeah? Yeah. Don't like it's, it. it's, it's a good happy show. Um, oh. But 
more on audio description to come at a future podcast where we'll have folks from the awards gala planning committee as well as the audio description project. Uh, but today we wanted to share some quick updates with everyone, uh, beginning with one of our legislative imperatives, which is for uh, finally getting some clarity from the federal government on the accessibility of websites and applications. So Swatha, we've been working on this one uh, pretty nonstop. Yeah. And we've been doing it collaborating with our partners. Mm-hmm. So last, so in March or April, I can't remember right now, but um, Senator Duckworth and Senator Durbin released a letter to the DOJ asking to clarify um, and promulgate regulations on web access and um, what um, entities obligations are obligations are in that in our guard. And so, in this week, um, Representative Sarvanes um, from Maryland, Clark's from town, um, sent out a similar, similar letter with 30, 32 other signatories on the from um, other offices. So, in collaboration with that, in collaboration with the 32 offices, um, the letter addressed to Attorney General, Attorney General Merrick Garland asks the DOJ to promulgate regulations and to um, do more than just gu- guidance on this issue. So, yeah. Yes, and at, as Swatha said, uh, the Department of Justice has issued guidance uh, reminding uh, public entities as well as places of public accommodation of their requirements under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, but this asks them to go further. This asks for rulemakings under titles two and three of the ADA, not just guidance, but enforceable regulations. And I will note and give a, a kudos to the Department of Justice. They have noticed um, back in June or July a Title II rulemaking on web access. Um, however, that rulemaking is, uh, the notice of that rulemaking is scheduled to be published around April of 2023. Um, so whereas we do recognize that the government is moving forward on this issue, uh, we think it's important to uh, continue to stress how critical this issue is for our members and the broader community and how important it is that this rulemaking is completed uh, because the, the disability community has been down this road before when in 2015 an advance notice of proposed rulemaking was issued. Uh, it wasn't completed. There was an election in 2016 and in 2017 um, the advance notice of proposed rulemaking was uh, peeled back by the Department of Justice. So it's important that this has been noticed. However, it is equally important that the notice of proposed rulemaking is made public. And then most important of all, that it is completed by the end of the current presidential administration. 
And that's only for Title II. Title III is still out Mm -hmm. there. You know, places Mm -hmm. of public accommodations, um, retail locations, um, you know, theaters, commerce, restaurants, uh, e-commerce, all all of this stuff. This this falls under, uh, you know, Title III, the places of public accommodation. And we need clarity there too, Swatha. Mm-hmm. It's important to, important to other important to our members. Also, also then important to the Hill as well. It important it's important it shows it's important to adopt the Senate and the House that we need to rulemaking. So, good. Choice. That's right, and and we're very excited that as Swatha said, thirty two other representatives, members of the House of Representative uh, representatives joined. Representative Sarbanes on this letter, uh, and that's due in no small part to the advocacy by ACB, uh, by our affiliates, by our members, and by Swatha. Uh, Swatha, you were busy over the August recess working working the phones and emails trying to get members to sign on to this letter. So thank you for your efforts. Of course, it's a very very important very important issue to, to me and to all of us in ACB. So. Yeah, and now and now we have we have additional members of Congress on the record that this needs to be done. Um, so, as we've stated before, this is a a multi pronged approach. And we are pushing the federal government to move forward with regulations under the Americans with Disabilities Act, um, but at the same time, we realize that more needs to be done. This. This would be a a great step forward, Um, but we are also working with our partners uh, to move forward with legislation in this regard to expand everything that would be covered, much like the Americans with Disabilities Act expanded upon the Rehabilitation Act. Uh, We're hoping that a standalone piece of legislation would expand on the coverage for technology, websites, applications, and online services. And hopefully we have more to share on that soon, Swatha. Yeah. So what's next, Clark? What's next, Clark? All right. The next item up is an update on accessible COVID testing. So in... August, at the end of August, the federal government announced that they were discontinuing the free at-home COVID test service. Uh, However, the one caveat to this that I would add is that uh, folks with disabilities may still uh, go online or call to order the more accessible at-home COVID tests. And ACB is still working with the National Institutes of Health, NIH, to improve the availability of accessible COVID tests, as well as all, improve the accessibility of all diagnostic tests. So currently there is a survey that is being done by NIH, again, National Institute of Health, along with Georgia Institute of Technology, 
we've had a chance to review the survey and provide input to make it as accessible as possible for folks that use assistive technology and screen readers on multiple platforms. So hopefully no one has any issues with completing this survey. So it's a pretty short survey. It just wants to get a sense of uh, whether folks have uh, taken at-home COVID tests, with what their comfort level is with technology. And then I think a, a good feature of this test is it has a free response field that folks can share their own opinions um, on how accessible at-home tests are or what could make at-home tests more accessible to people who are blind, people who are low vision, uh, folks with uh, physical disabilities, uh, et cetera. So please, we'll, we'll share the link to the survey along with this podcast. Uh, please take the time to uh, provide your thoughts and feedback because this will not only be used to make at-home COVID tests more accessible, uh, but we, we are working to use this information and we're working with NIH to make all forms of home diagnostic testing more accessible in the future. And, that, and that's the promise that this data can provide. And that's certainly worth uh, a few minutes of all of our time. Yes, important for us to voice our needs regarding voice what would help, help, help for us in this, um, for testing and for home diagnostic equipment. And, and certainly none of our experiences are all the same, right? Like my experiences as somebody who uses and is comfortable using a smartphone and connecting it to the Illum test. Um, but my experiences are different um, than many of our members. And also my experiences are different than yours, Swatha. Yeah. Yeah, as someone with multiple multiple disabilities, including a motor and a dexterity issue, like this is, I've had more issues doing tests than you have. So I'm glad that it's more accessible, but also it needs more work. So that's right. It's it's one one step on the path, but as as we often say, accessibility is a it's a journey, not a destination, <laughs> and and we still have far to go on, on this journey, um, not only with diagnostic testing, but with uh, medical and healthcare accessibility uh, across the board. So Swatha, what's next? Next is, so the Federal Aviation Administration is or has put out a request for comments on Minimum seat dimensions necessary for emergency evacuations and um, situations. So, and they're looking for comments that particularly address the needs of underserved communities like people with disabilities and older, older, older adults. And this um, is like, very relevant for us because if because for a lot of us, we use um, guide dogs, and as um, members have mentioned, like getting your dog out of a seat um, under like 
out of, out from under a scene or out from like a small space is difficult. Is difficult, and for a lot of us also, we have um, additional it, the disabilities um, and mobility aids other than just uh, blindness. So it's important that it's important that we sort of let the FAA know and um, provide comments on why or what could what, what um or um yeah on why it's important to us and why we need like why seats need and seat and seat areas need to be larger or um just differently designed because we we need that access and right now it's kind of right now they're looking for that data looking for that um experience from us so they are taking comments up until November, and you can put comments on the FAA website, which I don't have on on hand, but I can include include the show notes. So that's great. Thanks, Swatha. And another aspect, certainly important for, as you mentioned, our members and folks who are blind uh, that use guide dogs. Uh, But stemming back from the rules around air travel with service dogs, um, if the space for our seats is getting smaller and smaller, um, airlines are allowed to uh, request somebody who has a, a service dog to change seats if that dog does not fit in their given footprint. They could, um, also, they could also be they could also be bumped, bumped, off, bumped off the flight and transferred to another, to another one. So, exactly, exactly. So it's the the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. They're they're seeking this information for uh, you know safety purposes, um, but we we view this as having a, a dual purpose for our members, as, as Swatha mentioned. They're very important for folks who are blind or low vision to have the um, the ability to move freely about the cabin and certainly for our members who are getting older or members who have a, uh, additional disabilities having uh, space necessary to be able to freely enter and exit their row in case of an emergency um, but also for our members whether they're members of guide dog users uh, incorporated GDUI or if they're just folks that love traveling with a guide dog and fly and travel frequently or infrequently uh, ensuring that their rights are going to be protected but also that they're going to be safe during air travel Um, that's the lens that we're viewing this opportunity through yep and yeah and speaking of lenses (laughs) <laughs> that's a terrible segue um, mainly because I don't even think it has many lenses there's a whole bunch of mirrors um, we are talking about the James Webb Space Telescope so I, I hope folks out there have experienced the images coming back to earth from the James Webb Space Telescope I think the the first images um, started to be made public back in August, but not only were they the visual images or interpretations of ultra 
ultraviolet and infrared light waves that were then turned into something that the human eye can see. But the, the team from the Space Telescope Science Institute has also been including just some incredibly detailed, in-depth, and breathtaking alt text along with these images. Now, this has been available on, on social media, news articles, on, on websites, uh, but also on a NASA blog where they have access to the extended image alt text. So sometimes you just don't have enough, have enough characters that you need to create a whole blog page to be able to put what's really going on in these images of, of galaxies you know, in a universe far, far away. Uh, but Swatha is, we've heard from a lot of our members that their, their minds are blown. They are very excited about what's being done by the Space Telescope Science Institute. And that's providing a, an opportunity for outreach. Yeah. So we've, like, we are planning to, planning, planning to have a community event with folks from the James Webb Science Institute talking about how they, like, the process of making these all, all of writing, writing all text or making this images accessible for blind folks. And um, just making the host uh, feel the strongly more accessible. So more more to come on that, but we as of now have teaser for that. So exactly. So if you have questions about the James Webb Space Telescope, or if you have questions uh, about the images, and in addition to the images, they're also creating. Uh, audible interpretations of this, this data and these images. They're calling them sonifications. Mm -hmm. If you have questions about either of those, we want to hear from you. Uh, so we're asking folks to please either email Kelly Gask in our office at K-G-A-S-Q-U-E. Again, K for Kelly. G-A-S-Q-U-E at acb.org. And also you can, you can email us at advocacy at acb.org and we will pass your questions along. Um, the, the deadline for submitting questions, are, uh, the deadline is this Friday, Friday, September 16th. And we will be hosting this event uh, date certain to come, but we will host this event before the end of the month. And some lucky folks who submit really good questions will be able to join us and ask their question on video to the team from the Space Telescope Science Institute. So Swatha, it doesn't get better than that. And it's really cool to see how, um, how folks are making something that's so cool, so innovative, and also so accessible to our members and the broader community. Yep. Clark, have you seen those um, certifications of the um, like space matter and all that? 
I have heard some of the sonifications and you know what? They sound creepy. Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. So these are, yeah. It's these will be great questions to ask them because I, I'm a little unclear on how these are created. You know, they have the, the data from the space telescope. Mm-hmm. And so are they, are they taking that data and instead of uh, interpreting it into the visual light spectrum, are they interpreting it into the audible light spectrum, like a, uh, like a sound graph um, with the yeah. different pitches? Or are they looking at that and saying, you know, this is how this data makes me feel. And here's a you know, <laughs> musical interpretation of this information. Uh, do you, do you have a sense, Swatha, or are we, ju- are we just going to have to wait and find out? I've seen, like, on, I got them, like, on some sites, like, they've tried to, like, they've, like, took them, like, because the, the images that they're getting are not, like, pictures themselves, they're more, like, um, wavelengths, so just translating that into sound, but that's what I've heard from the, um, news, so we'll see, we'll see what they, what they say. So that is it for this week's uh, advocacy update. Um, in addition to this advocacy update grab bag, Swatha, there's another way that folks, whether you're listening to this podcast or you're listening to this via the um, ACB Media Network, more advocacy updates are available via the Washington Connection. Yeah, so our call-in service. Um, yeah, so this this we have um, the airlines, RFC, um, the James Webb questions, also student loans, because that's important to me, because I have loans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all of that can be in more can be found at um by calling our main number so 202-467-5081 and dialing 1004 our our members who are older and who are on social security they're very interested in when the the social security cost of uh cost of living adjustments are made our next gen and ACB students are very interested in the announcement of student loan forgiveness. So uh, we're fortunate that in ACB we have uh, members with that range know, ex- all, yeah. yep that range in all ages and all experience levels. So exactly, exactly, much like a cross section of the entire society. So as Swatha said. Uh, folks can either dial into the Washington Connection uh, by by dialing the ACB main office number again two zero two four six seven five zero eight one and listening to the menu there and I believe more information about the advocacy update and the Washington Connection and our continued advocacy work are also available on the ACB website at acb.org and if folks have any issues. Uh, with these items, you can always reach out to us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. So again, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. Uh, save the date, 
put it on your calendar with a, a star and a rainbow and smiley face Tuesday, November 29th, 7.30 p.m. at Eastern Time for the second Audio Description Awards Gala. But we will have more advocacy updates for you between now and then. And in the meantime, keep advocating. This episode of the ACB Advocacy Update has been made possible in part through the support of ACB of Minnesota. ACBM wants to send along heartfelt greetings to all of its family throughout the ACB community. Having hosted two outstanding and invigorating ACB national conventions, they are committed to expanding opportunity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACBM supports the James R. Olson Memorial Scholarship honoring one of its past members, and they continue to not let life during these challenging times slow down. ACBM invites all to their informative bi-monthly community conference calls, ranging on everything from sports and technology to gardening and loving life in the land of 10,000 lakes. They hold quarterly monthly membership meetings, monthly coffee gatherings, and monthly board meetings. To learn more about ACBM, visit their website at www acbminnesota.org or call 612-223-5543. ACBM, a supporter of the ACB Media Network.